What's up, guys? We are back. Welcome to episode 22. Today's episode is going to be our episode about uh, the American dream and in particular the position that the American finance system plays in helping to make our dreams reality and why we should all get down on our knees right now and thank the Almighty that we live in America because in America we have a financial system that allows us opportunities that nowhere else in this uh, world does. And so we want to unpack those and really break it down like why is it that the American system works this way. How does it, you know, give you opportunities to create your dream business and how can you make a fortune using this American financial system? So here's what we're going to talk about. Why is the U.S. finance system so unique in the world? What makes it unique? And yeah, we're going to talk about the ability to borrow, right? Can consumers and businesses borrow money in other countries like you can here in the United States of America? And we get asked that question all the time from people, you know, in Asia, in Europe. And they're like, oh, can we get financing for our clients, for small business owners? And the answer to that question is going to probably surprise you just a little bit, my friends. How can you use the best financial system in the history of the world to make your fortune? And it is all about the financial system. Yeah, and how can you use that to make a fortune of your own in the finance space? Exactly. There are opportunities within fintech and finance. We're going to talk about those a little bit today. Uh, we're going to talk about you know a word that I don't always love, but I've got to be honest. It's actually really important, and it's regulation. How does regulation actually improve the U.S. system of finance? Without it, things can absolutely run awry. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, and then one that I love here, Leo, is how does it allow for entrepreneurs to create the top tech in the world? Mm, that's going to be a really good one, good one there. And then the final one is the role that the U.S. dollar and the dollar dominance plays in maintaining this system and how vital it is that the United States maintain that dominant role as kind of the currency of the world, the reserve currency of the world, the dollar, and the role that it uh, plays in that. We also, uh, I actually asked uh, this question to ChatGPT, and ChatGPT had some interesting answers there that we can take a look at as well. But friends, uh, small business owners, you know, if you're in fintech, if you're part of our funding programs, or if you're looking to build some sort of business within the finance space, or you're just trying to better understand it, you're going to want to take some notes. And if you have any questions, by all means, type those in the comment box. We'll answer them in this episode or in a future one. And uh, if you're finding value in the show, you know, share it uh, with others. It is a show to help small business owners to get their money right and utilize all those tools. Welcome to the Go Figure podcast created for parents and business owners who want to get their money right. My name's Leo Cannell. As a husband and father of five, I've been fortunate to create two eight-figure businesses in the fintech space. This podcast will share the values, principles, strategies, tools, and tactics that have helped us to build a fintech empire and provide an epic life for our family. Having been a parent and entrepreneur for 20 years, there's a lot I don't know. There's been a lot of failure. The good news is together, we'll find solutions to creating an epic life powered by a business that we love. So let's get started You know, number one, why is the U.S. finance system so unique in the world? What is it that makes it unique? You know, as I kind of looked at this question, Ty, I thought a little bit about the history. And at the end of the day, it probably begins with the fact that our country was kind of the first one out there that really employed freedom and had the Constitution and all these different things, freedom of speech, 
uh, separating church and state, just a lot of the things that we see in the Constitution. And that started, of course, in 1776 with the U.S. Revolution. And then after that, you started to see other countries that really started to follow that model uh, around Europe and other areas in democracy. You know, they always talk about saving democracy and and uh, whatnot, but really democracy and this ability to have more freedom really creates a, a financial system where there's so many benefits. And so that's that's kind of the first thing that I thought about. What are some of the, your takeaways or thoughts when you think about what is it that makes the U.S. finance system so unique compared to other countries? Yeah, I, I think a big part of that is just the the free market, Leo. When, when you look at this, I mean, technically lending's been around from I mean, there's, there's loans going out in the Bible if you, if you really break it down. So the, the concept of lending is as old as time, but in all reality, the U.S. has been an astronomical piece of actually commercializing it and building these enterprise companies and having the ability so that everybody can get credit cards and everybody can get loans. And that is one thing. There's a lot of things I don't think the government has done a great job with, but they have done a good job of kind of getting out of the way protecting a lot of these lenders, but also allowing them to actually get credit cards out, to get loans out so that everyone can qualify. Yeah, no question about it. I was watching this uh, interesting uh, series. I think it was on CNBC, and it was called American Dynasty. And uh, in this series, it would literally take some of the top entrepreneurs in the world, from Henry Ford uh, to John D. Rockefeller, uh, Getty, all these guys that had built uh, massively successful businesses uh, back in the day, and one of the key key reasons that helped some of these businesses was the ability of the American finance system to help them. So, for example, with Henry Ford, he his goal was his dream, like Steve Jobs, uh, you know, Bill Gates' dream was to have a computer on every desk in, in every house in America, and they certainly accomplished that. But Henry Ford's dream was, hey, I want to have the common man ha- have the ability to drive a car around, to get some freedom, to not have to depend on that horse and feeding and and the horse can break down, but have a, a car that can go faster, further, and get you there safer. And that was his dream. And in order to make that happen, he created the Model T. And this uh, this automobile was affordable. It was reliable. And uh, it was also very plain. But he just really revolutionized the entire world by bringing the automobile. But the automobile wouldn't have made it as far as it did without the ability for the American consumer to be able to finance that automobile. So the American finance system allowed people to go out and get car loans with small down payments back then. Uh, this is uh, even in the, the 1900s, the early 1900s, the teens there, 1920s, and people started to be able to finance, and more and more people started getting cars, and they were getting this Ford Model T because it was affordable and because they could finance it with affordable payments with the American finance system. And so throughout history, like those have been key components. And the interesting thing is you go outside the United States and you realize that financing is much more difficult outside of the U.S. It's like when you break it down, the American dream is the American dream because debt existed, right? The American dream would be no different if there wasn't debt to be able to to bring on and, and get homes and get vehicles so that you can actually go out and achieve what you wanted to achieve. So it's it's kind of interesting when you break it down. Like so many people are so scared of debt, but the American dream did not exist without debt, in my opinion. No, it doesn't. And then some of the top businesses in the world only exist because they were able to access funding, finance, and capital. And so, you know, you can go through all of these different businesses. I love Phil Knight's story 
with Nike because he actually started it really without any investor money. He saved up a little money himself and he brought on a business partner and they were able to get some inventory and they had these shoes called Tiger shoes that were coming from Japan and they were being manufactured at an affordable rate. He could bring them to the U.S. and sell them for a profit. And then eventually he went out and he created his own manufacturing contacts and started to manufacture Nike shoes and and kind of went from there. But over and over in his uh, his uh, book that he had come out just a few years ago called Shoe Dog. And if you haven't read this book, it's so amazing. In fact, actually, it's great to listen to on Audible. And surprisingly enough, sometimes I'll recommend these books to my kids and I'm trying to get them to listen to different entrepreneurial books and stories. And this one is such a story. It's, it's like this epic story where Phil Knight is growing up and he grows up in Oregon. I think his dad was part of maybe be a newspaper owner or something like that. His dad was his own was a successful business owner. And so uh, Phil Knight gets out of college where he ran track because he's a big, uh, big track runner, long distance, uh, cross country type track back in the, let's see, the, the 60s is when he was uh, running track. And so he convinces him dad, his dad to let him go around the world. His dad gives him a little bit of money. He goes to Hawaii with his friend and they both start uh, falling in love with these girls and they get jobs and and they're hanging out in Hawaii, and his friend's like, yeah, bro, I'm just going to stay here and surf 10 and, and hook up with my girl, and, and life is good. And Phil Knight's like, bro, I'm going around the world, man. I'll, I'll see you later. So he makes enough money from his job in Hawaii, plus what his dad gave him, goes to Japan, goes around the world, does all these things. When he gets back, he's like, I saw these amazing running shoes in Japan. I'm going to start a business where people have better shoes. And he keeps his full-time job. He's, he's an accountant by trade from college. And he gets that business off the ground. And over and over again, he starts by building relationships, business credit, if you will, with these local banks in Oregon. He gets a loan from one, gets a loan from another. He's literally robbing Peter to pay Paul. And he's not taking any money for himself, no profits for the first several years in the, in the business that becomes Nike. And then he kind of taps out his resources there. And then he goes to California and he builds relationships with lenders there, uh, other lenders across the country in different states. And he uses this debt from the American finance system. And he's literally convincing these banks to give him money for his business against his shoe inventory. And eventually he's able to go public with it. They pay off all the debt. They're able to win big. And we all know the number one sports apparel and certainly sports shoe company in the world is Nike. And if you've ever if you ever listened to that book, you'll you'll come away with two things. Wow, Nike could have gone out of business a million times, but it survived because it wasn't because of Phil Knight and because it was in the American finance system. If he was in other countries of the world that don't have access to loans and funding for businesses, then Nike does not exist today. I think you could say the same thing about hundreds, if not thousands of, of companies that we use on a daily basis. Um, one thought that came to mind, Leo, I, I get a lot of people on phone calls, they're constantly asking this same question of, you hear the Phil Knight story, and it's like, he says he went two years and didn't pay himself a dime. How is he paying his rent? How is he paying for food? How is he getting fuel in his car? When they say, I didn't pay myself a dime, does that mean they didn't take any profits? Does that mean they literally didn't take a dime. Explain that situation because I think a lot of business owners think that that means they literally didn't pay themselves a penny. In that case, he actually didn't. 
he actually didn't pay himself a penny. What he did was two things. Number one, those first uh, two to three years before the business was making enough money to pay him, he was working full-time 30 to 40 hours a week as an accountant at another firm, and then he was working another 30 to 40 hours a week building up Nike and even had employees that he was paying at Nike, but he couldn't pay himself for those first uh, two or three years. I think that's what it was. And and then eventually, as he was able to make progress, but still he would kind of borrow money and maybe pay himself a small salary, but still wasn't uh, very profitable to do that. And he did that uh, for a while. There's uh, another guy that uh, that I followed for a long time, Andy Frisella. He's the 75 Heart Challenge guy, has a, a supplement company. And his first 10 years, he's famous for telling people that uh, he literally, I think, made... I want to say $59,000 his first 10 years running that business. I started at age 18, had no idea what he was doing. And finally, by age 28, social media came around and he really started to understand marketing and build a team. And he's made a fortune since then. But he also had another job so that he could pay his bills, pay for his rent while he was kind of building that business at the same time. So yeah, obviously you have to build or survive. That's where business funding comes in. Sometimes you're using the funding to pay your own personal bills for a few months until you get off the ground. But oftentimes where people talk about, oh, you should just go all in and quit all your jobs and just go on with your business. I think there's a lot of stories out there where people do did exactly what you did, where you work that full-time job, start that business on the side and build it up to where it's big enough that now your your personal finances are taken care of, and then you go all in with the business. Sarah Blakely did that with Spanx. There's a number of different business owners that did it just like that, and that's the smarter way to do it because you, if you can't pay your own bills, it's pretty tough to stay in business. Yeah, so if the business can't afford to pay you yet, it, from what I'm grasping is there's a few different things people will do. They'll either, either number one, generate enough savings before they officially launch the business. Number two, They'll run their business at crazy hours of the night, at early hours of the morning, while they can still work a, a normal nine to five or whatever job they have to. Or the business gets some credit, the business gets some funding, and they use the business financials to pay things like rent and food and those necessary things you have to have, but they're not taking a dime more. Would you say those are the three major 100%. options? 100%. Yep, that's exactly right. And, and that's kind of what we did when we started this business. And so many other successful entrepreneurs have done the exact same thing to get their businesses off the ground. So it is one of those things where you delay the gratification, you sacrifice with a bigger vision. And But in each, in each example, they knew they had something, right? There was a proof of concept where, hey, I've got a product or a service that people really want and need. And now I just need to figure out how to make my product really good and better than competition. And then how can I market it and get it out to the masses? And that's kind of what each of them have done in that situation. But coming back to our topic, like if they're not in the United States of America, I don't think there's any Nike. I don't think there's any Under Armour. I don't think there's a, there's not a Microsoft. There's not an Apple. Like these companies would not exist without the American finance system that kind of opens the door to access money and capital. And it starts kind of with secured, right? It, it, you're getting loans against houses and cars, real assets that if you don't pay them back, you get their money. But there's still a lot of countries around the world where you can't even do that. It's Or it's like, hey, yeah, you want to buy your house? Cool. I need 50% down. So if you're buying a house for like you know, half a million dollars, you need $250,000 cash. That's going to be tough for a lot of people. You think about that. And that that credit system that we've got in this country is what makes everything work. And then it just comes down to two things. Number one, are people going to follow through and 
you know, pay it back? And number two, are the people giving out the money making good decisions? And so you think back to like 2008 and 09 when, you know, people were a little irresponsible and certainly lenders in Wall Street were very irresponsible doing no income, no asset mortgages, you know, back in the day for people to buy properties with no money down, no skin in the game, not even verifying their income. Well, I wonder why that didn't work out. And that's, and that's, those are things that happen. And now the system's corrected itself. And I don't think you'll ever see that come back. And now as, as you can attest, you and I have gotten millions of dollars in mortgages. It's never easy. It's always difficult. In fact, I think it's, I think we're shifting to the opposite of that. And we may be. Right? I, I think we're yeah. shifting to more of an open banking, open finance. They don't care so much about your credit score as they do. Can you actually afford this? Because you've synced up and connected all of your accounts. They look at transaction history, income history. They do all of that based off of viewing your open banking account. So be interesting to see. It will. And so really, that's where fintech is so important. If you're not utilizing fintech and AI in your personal financial life, you're making things more difficult. Like you said, you know, that myfigures.com money app, there are always different things in the spending reports there. We're like, oh my word, what is this? What is this bill coming through here? What is this? And you can find all sorts of mistakes and errors that happen and things that should have been canceled that are still charging on a monthly subscription and ways to generate better income as a business owner, et cetera. One of the common questions we get over and over again is, you know, I've got clients in Europe or clients in Canada or clients in Asia, Australia. They need financing for training for a business. You know, are there some good options for them? We get asked these questions all the time, and the answer is surprising. It is surprising, and and the answer is no, I mean, there, there's obviously some options, right? You go, you're in Canada, there's a few different 0% interest cards that you can go out and get, but we're talking a few 0% interest cards to hundreds here in the U.S. market. So it's, it's one of these things you're just, you're so, so, so handcuffed in these other countries, Leo. And, and Canada is, I think, considered one of the better ones when it comes to yeah. credit and, and funding. And even in Canada, it's so tricky and everything's so controlled by the government. It is. And in Europe, you know, you have all these countries, they're kind of part of the same union, but they're still separate countries with somewhat separate financial systems. And so the lenders pretty much are, they're almost like 100 years into the past, where 100 years in the past, it was really tough for a small business owner to get any, any type of loan, even with proven revenues and, and history. If you weren't a really big uh, business owner, you didn't have an asset like a home or real estate with no debt on it. It was tough 100 plus years ago to get money, even in the U.S., but it was certainly ahead of every other country. And now you fast forward to 2023, and it's really difficult to access money for a business in Europe. It's difficult, it's damn near impossible in Africa, most of the Middle East, Asia. Um, Australia has some options. Canada has some options. England and, and France have some options. Germany but for without collateral, there's very little in the way. So I'd say that one of the biggest revolutions that's happened in the American finance system in the last, really the last uh, 30, 40 years has been the ability to access money and finance based off of credit and not based off of assets. Because back in the day, like everything in, in outside of the U.S. and people, y'all don't get this. 
You don't understand that the only way you get any type of financing outside of the U.S. is by having a hard asset like a piece of equipment, a car, a home, a 401k, an investment, like something easily transferable to get my money back if you don't pay me back. And that's how most of the world functions except for the U.S. And that's what makes our system work is it makes it much easier for people to access money, which then comes back to, I think, the real... Uh, key at the end of the day here is the credit system. It's actually not just the financial system, but it's the credit system that the U.S. has built that no one else seems to have. Yeah, absolutely. And that's it's funny because we talk so negatively on on the credit system all the time, like, oh, it's it's such a broken system. But in all reality, it's the most perfect system in the entire world. Sure, improvements need to be made, and they are being made, right? We're on FICO 9, right, where there's all these different variations of FICO scores. There's Vantage scores. There's so many different credit scores out there. So they are constantly changing. They are constantly adapting. And they're learning that for a mortgage, we want to look at this score. For an auto loan, we want to look at this score. So our we really do have a very impressive credit system. Yes, I would like to see more of an open finance, open banking type model that also relies on the credit score. So it's not just credit score or nothing, because I think sometimes... Like you, you and I see it all the time. We have someone that we look at their credit score and it's a 690, but they've got good accounts. They've got good history. They've got no negative. And it's like, what on earth is going on here? Something's wrong. Those are the people I feel bad for. But overall, it's a very, very impressive system. It is. And if you look outside the United States, the credit systems out there, there isn't there isn't an Experian in every single country across the world. There isn't an Equifax or a TransUnion credit bureau out there. And the interesting thing is there's always this confusion where, oh, the credit bureaus are part of the government. They're part of this financial system. They are part of the system, but they are not government entities. They're actually for-profit entities, which actually, of course, makes them run more efficiently because they are owned by actual shareholders and they're a private business. They're not controlled by the government. There are laws they have to follow and abide by. But at the end of the day, this credit system has made it to where people and businesses can access money, live the American dream, and that dream does not exist outside of the U.S., and most of it is because there isn't a well-developed credit bureau system where credit bureaus are out there working with all these different lenders to track that people are making their payments, they're paying them on time, and that people are generating a credit score because if without that system, how else would you decide, I'm going to give you $100,000 to buy that home, but I don't actually know what your credit history was. And so back in the day, you know, 100, 200 years ago, you were actually literally building a relationship with a handshake at the bank and everything was on a local level. And it would be like, hey, yeah, you can put your property up or you have a business and you built that you know, reputation in the community. And the lenders literally were lending off of your good credit reputation that you've built with the local bank. Back in the day, you had like uh, the supermarket, right? And so you'd go to the supermarket and people would have all these little lines of credit and they would have to pay them off at the end of every month. And the store owners would kind of just hold these lines of credit and financing. And it was based off of the good reputation you had as someone who pays your debts, who does what you say you're going to do. Which is why you need to stay on top of the market and understand the changes in the credit system. Because Leo, I still get it. I get a really old individual comes to me and says, they're all upset because they don't qualify. And it's like, Ty, in my day, I got approved with a handshake. And we're like, that, that's great. That's fantastic. But we've evolved. Um, the other thing, I love what you were saying there. When you talk about Equifax, TransUnion, Experian, all being separate entities, separate from the government, not just separate from themselves. But 
There's also FICO, the Fair Isaac Corporation, oh, who is a good, completely really separate really group, point. a completely separate organization that generates the scores. Because if it was Experian just creating their own scores, well, I want to give my people the biggest yeah. score, so they're always coming to Experian. So there's even more checks and balances. And Experian gives you a FICO score. TransUnion gives you one. Equifax gives you one because FICO has ultimately created this algorithm. These credit bureaus receive all the reporting on you from your financial institutions so that they receive the reporting fico has the algorithm and then they can kick out a score and so it's a it's a really nice model it's a really great system it's a, it's a really good point you're making there because hey you know experian equifax trans union they've got the credit reports and you can make decisions based off of the r- report but at the end of the day we're very data driven and going through you know sometimes these reports are like 50 60 pages yeah but if i can look at a fico score and know hey if you're inside this fico score the odds of you defaulting and not paying back this loan, this line of credit, this 0% interest credit card are extremely low based on your FICO score. And that is what's great about FICO. Overall, it's pretty accurate. There are those times you say, we're like, boy, this guy should have a 750. I don't know why he's at 690. But, you know, 99 times out of 100, it's pretty accurate. And you can really go to the bank legitimately with that FICO score and be confident in issuing credit to someone based off of that FICO score for the most part, it doesn't lie. And then, you know, with this system, with the credit reporting, then you can have your own underwriting guidelines. We're like, hey, we don't want to lend to anybody who's been, you know, more late than 30 days in the last 12 months, because if they have, then that's going to be an issue. Or if someone's been late on a mortgage, you know, in the last 18 months, we may not want to lend to them. So there are all these little checks and balances, like you said. But at the end of the day, let's talk about this. You know, how can you best use the U.S. American financial system and use it to your benefit to make a fortune. Because let's be honest, outside of this country, you know, if you grew up in, if you were born in China or in India, it's very, very difficult to build your dream business and have that same opportunity to create uh, financial wealth and independence for you, for your family. I was watching this, um, it was like a TV show with um, the guy who was in, he was kind of in like the Sword of the Stone Remember, not the cartoon one, but like the actual real one. And and it was, uh, anyway, he was the main, it was a Charlie Hunman. That's uh, that's the guy's name. He was an actor uh, for that show. And so he he's placed this guy in Australia who escapes from jail. And he's going to be in jail for like 10 years for robbing a bank or something like that. And then he goes to India. And he gets to India. And there's this, this guy there. And he kind of connects up with him. And he can't. He can't get identification very easily because he's a criminal from Australia. And so he's trying to build little businesses in there. And it's so difficult. And most of the people live in slums and little tents there in India. And still a lot of the country lives that way. And for you to be able to come from the bottom up to build something, the odds are really heavily stacked against you. But in the United States of America, anybody can come from anything and become extremely successful both financially and in terms of impact um what are some of your favorite stories of people who came from nothing in america and were able to build empires um my grandfather honestly it's it he's got a story that's very inspiring to me he was born and raised in spanish fork utah um and he was just telling me on sunday at the time he was born there was about three thousand people there and His dad was a barber, and so it's not like they had much of anything. He had five siblings. His dad was a barber. His mom was a stay-at-home mother, and it's a lot of haircuts, guys. Oh yeah, (laughs) 
they were barely scraping by month after month after month. So my grandpa was not born into wealth. He didn't understand credit. And his very first experience with credit, this was back in the day before the credit system, but debt was still definitely a thing in America. His uh, his bishop in his local church, his local community, was uh, a president of a bank down in Spanish really? Fork. And so as a 17-year-old, he went down to the bank, and he was willing, to, he was able to negotiate, which technically is illegal. He wasn't 18, but he was able to negotiate and get a signature loan and a handshake based off of, hey, I'm working for my dad. I'm learning how to be a barber. I'm making a, a couple bucks every time I do it. I promise I'll pay you, pled his case, and ultimately shook his hand, and he got himself a vehicle. Well, from there, he was like, that, that's extremely fascinating. I want to sell cars. And so he started selling cars. And before you know it, he's working for one of the biggest uh, car dealerships in Salt Lake City. And he's starting to understand how auto loans work and the financial system and, and debt. And after being very successful, which we did the correlation based on what he was making them to now, he was making about $400,000 a year selling cars. Wow. And guess what? He walked away. And what he did is said, you know what? I bet I've got enough of a lump sum here. And if just like me, as a 17-year-old who had a job and proved that I could pay this off, I don't care what your credit looks like. If I can see that you have a job, the debt's going to be a lot more expensive because it's a high risk for me. But I'm going to take this $100,000 I have put away, and I'm going to start financing my own vehicles. And I'm going to set up my own car dealership. And it's going to be buy here, pay here. You don't have to deal with the bank. I'm the bank. Shake my hand. I hire a bounty hunter. If you don't pay, I go get your car back. But he made an absolute fortune and became one of the wow. very, very first buy here, pay here dealerships in, in all of Utah. And he did that by understanding debt and how to leverage debt. And that, that wouldn't happen in another country. I'm very confident. What an amazing story that is. Yeah. And, and then he was, he literally had people running the business and he was literally going all over the country, uh, traveling and, and just kind of living this dream life, dream existence while his business was running for him because he understood this this financial system. And it was simple, like, hey, he knew his client. That's what business is all about. So if you're out there building a financial financial business, and in particular lending is involved, it's about really knowing your client. And and one of my one of my friends' uh, mentors uh, who built uh, Crest Financial, same thing. He he knew kind of the same thing. Hey, they have to be this. They have to have you know, a job, they have to have this kind of income. And if they have that, regardless of whatever their history is, we feel good that they're going to pay this loan back for furniture. So he was, he was doing the store furniture financing and your grandpa doing it there for cars. And that's, what's great. If there's something tied to it, that's, that's secured to it, some sort of asset that certainly makes it a lot lower risk in today's environment here, you, everybody has an even better opportunity where you don't have to, I mean, your grandpa had to put up a huge sum of money and risk that to give people cars. And so for us, a lot of the times now that there are these financial opportunities where you can just share different uh, lending options for business owners, for whatever it is, if you're doing mortgages, car loans, and you literally just make a commission for doing it and you don't have to lend your own money out. So you can do it a much lower risk way and so there are so many opportunities in finance for, that are different from other opportunities out there that you don't even have to come up with the money anymore in this system. And again, that's not typical. That's not found outside the United States of America. Yeah, exactly. I, I, you see so many stories too, though, Leo, like when you talk about being able to utilize the, the financial system in America, where 
I've got a lot of different individuals from my home ward that are very home area that are very wealthy now. And I would ask them, how did you get to this point? And almost every time it always comes back to, oh, well, I was able to get into my first home, which nowadays the government's giving you, especially in Utah, $20,000 to put your down payment for you. You're getting first time buyer rates. So they're really incentivizing this first home. But almost every single story led to, I had my first home. I paid it down as much as I could over the next 10 years. I took a loan against that home and built this. And once this was here, I took a loan against that and built this. And it's just constantly taking loans against other things. But it all comes back to if they never got that first home, this never would have happened. And in other countries, it's so damn difficult to get into that first home. Because like you said, they want 50% down. And when you're making 75000 a year and providing for a family, you're never going to save $250,000 to get the down payment. And if you do, you're going to be 60 and you've kind of missed the boat on going and creating all these businesses. So it's, uh, I mean, I, I put so much of it on the real estate in America and the ability to get into that first home. And, and I think the government has done a really good job of helping people get into that first home scenario. Agreed. And I think a lot of the wealth created in this country, and I think the data you know backs this up, is created from a business or in real estate. Those are usually the two uh, top uh, industries that people are going into to create wealth. And another barbership story here, uh, my great uncle Huey in Little Beaver, Utah, wow. actually, he a uh, really nice guy, one of those. And as the uh, local town barber, I mean, he knew everybody. And out of the blue one day, he decides he saved up just a little bit of money Bought his first home, and I think same thing, maybe got a little loan, a home equity line of credit off of it, and then he started buying land, developing it so that it could become a lot for someone to build a home on, and he started doing that over and over and over again, and lo and behold, the little town barber in Beaver, Utah, became this really successful real estate investor who had all this money and all these connections through real estate, and he kept his barber shop open because that's where he would connect with people and build these relationships. And so, you know, where a lot of business is done on the golf course, he was doing a lot of business there on the barber shop, uh, you know, that he owned. And so another great story of, and that is what makes America unique, right? You don't have to be born into it. Back, you know, 200, 300 years ago, if you weren't born into the royal family or if you weren't the Count of Monte Cristo, if you didn't find a bunch of gold somewhere, the opportunity for you to create wealth and freedom and have a business was so much lower everywhere around the world, and there just wasn't opportunity. So as much as people want to whine and complain in 2023 that life isn't fair, that the system is working against them, it's just not true. I was watching another video, and probably some of you guys have seen this, and it was Morgan Freeman, who uh, the great actor who's been in so many different movies and just such an amazing, did a great job with the uh, the Dark Knight series, I feel yeah. like, as uh, Lucius Fox. And he was being interviewed by the famous Don Lemon, Don Lemon uh, of CNN. And uh, Don was looking at him and, and basically trying to make the case that, listen, you know, the odds are still stacked against us, stacked against marginalized communities and blah, 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 blah. And Morgan Freeman just stopped him right there and said, no, no that's not true anymore. Not true anymore. Look at us. Look at where we're at. Look at everything that we've done. It's not true. There are so many people that literally have come from nothing and built empires. You know, you talk about people like Jay-Z and Ice Cube and all these other guys that just they created new industries that didn't even exist. 
because of this financial system that we all live and enjoy in America. And so for everybody out there who thinks the the odds are stacked against you and you had a tough childhood and this unfair thing happened here or there, you were born in West Virginia, well, it doesn't matter. Everybody has had, a, there are so many people who have had a worse story than you that were able to live the American dream. So I feel like for the, the rest of this podcast, we should like synthesize this and break this down, unpack it. So what are the steps that you need to take if you want to live the American dream, take this American financial system that is the best system that's ever existed in the history of this planet, in our universe, and put it to work for you to create your dream life, your dream business, whatever that might be. Let's kind of start at the beginning of what this takes. So you're, you're doing one of two things, right? You're either investing in some sort of asset like real estate that you can grow over time, or you're starting a business and maybe you're doing both. So let's talk about uh, business. Okay, we're in this amazing American financial system. How can I get a business off the ground? Let's start there. I think step one comes even before that, Leo, is you need to decide why. Before you even consider starting that business, you need to decide why you're starting that business. And if that why is I want to make more money, then you need to keep digging and figure out why you need more money because you don't need more money. You want to provide for your children. You want to provide for your spouse, whatever that may be. Find your real why and write it down and don't forget it. From there, now we start to open the business. And I think where we start from there, Leo, when it's time to build the business is you need to educate yourself on the credit system. Like plain and simple, you need to understand the credit bureaus, the credit scores, how they work, how they're manipulated, what options are available, what's unsecured debt versus secured debt, what's an installment loan versus a revolving credit card. You need to start to figure these things out so that you know what options are available to you so that once you know your business model and you know your return on loan or return online, you can move forward with confidence. Dude, I love what you just said there. Start with why, right? There's a book by Simon Sinek, which is something about uh, the power of why, or I think it actually is start with why. And if you don't start with the why, then it doesn't matter what your goals are. You're not going to achieve them because when the adversity comes, which it always does, you're going to give up. You're going to stop because you don't have that why driving you. And this was something that you actually taught our community uh, just last uh, last week in the Sales Secrets uh, workshop that you did. And it's whenever you're, if you're a salesperson and you're talking with someone, someone isn't coming to you for the product or service just specifically for the product or service. They're coming because something is driving them. And as you dig deeper, you find out, well, actually, you know, I really want to do this because I want to make my kids proud of me, or I want to be able to live in a better location so that my kids have a better opportunity to live a better life, or I want to finally you know, prove to my family that even though I didn't graduate from college, I can create a successful business and create value and deliver services, you know, to customers at a high level and really do something special with my life. And as I think about some of the great stories of entrepreneurs who are driven by a big why, one that's uh, been very interesting is uh, is one of our mentors, uh, Patrick Bet David, who just recently has had an exit with his uh, insurance company for $400 million. And he is a guy who was born in Iran and left Iran because his uh, family was going to be killed when the government changed in 1978. They went to um, one of those, uh, you know, refugee camps in Germany for a while and eventually were able to come to America, lived in Glendale. His dad worked at a 99-cent store. And when he was young, he'd just gotten out of the military. He was like $50,000 in debt. No prospects, no income, and his dad has a heart attack, 
and and they take him up into the hospital and his dad's kind of sitting there about ready to die and he's like guys someone needs to get in here and he starts getting really pissed off and throwing a fit and eventually security literally kicks him out and when he's like why are you taking care of my dad and he's like you know why because your dad's on like medicaid he's on government health care he's not paying for it himself that's why he's not getting the service that you want him to get and so he went down in his car and he's just sitting there crying he's like you know what never again and at that time he was going out he was partying like four nights a week clubs in vegas blowing money doing whatever and he's like never again never again the world is going to know my dad's last name was what he said and then you fast forward you know 20 years from now and the things he's done he's uh, created so many millionaires in his insurance company he has 30,000 insurance agents for PHP Agency. He's created a, an entrepreneur media company that helps and supports entrepreneurs. has been really helpful with everything we've been able to learn from his programs, from his events, from his business planning workshop. And all the impact that came, came from starting with that why and answering that why question. So great point. Start with why. Once you have that, you have a driver. Now it's the credit system. And we've done a lot of you know, podcasts and information about the credit system. Where do you start at with understanding this credit system and putting it to work for you to do something? Yeah, I think it, it kind of depends where you're at already, right? Everyone has a different level of understanding, but there are so many resources out there nowadays, podcasts. There's a lot of good podcasts that break down the credit system and business lending and how to get access to more capital. Um, you can go directly to Experian.com. Experian.com has a lot of really, really good yeah. resources, but understanding where you're at, what you need to learn is, is very important. And then, you know, working with, you don't need to know absolutely everything. You don't need to know, you don't, you don't need to be an expert. I, I, I guess I should say you need to know enough to understand what your business needs and how to get there. But I would say when it comes time to actually getting funding, you work with a team of experts that does this day in and day out that knows what options are available to you. Now you can confidently talk about them and discuss them and feel like you know what's best for your business, but see what's out there across the entire marketplace. And that comes down to working with experts. You know, and the interesting thing is we've looked at literally over 100,000 credit reports over the last decade, helping small business owners get money because the American financial dream gives you an opportunity to start and grow a business. So two simple, powerful steps that you can take today to build the type of credit profile that will eventually be fundable for a business and also to buy a house or invest in real estate in the future is number one, get a car loan. Doesn't matter if it's $5,000, $10,000, get a car loan. Take out that loan, make those payments on time, pay that off as quickly as you can, you know, within hopefully two years, that's going to be very powerful. That's step one. Step two, you want to get some sort of credit card, whether you start out with a $200 limit credit card or even a secured one where you give Capital One, you know, 500 bucks and they open a $500 credit card for you and you pay it on time for the next year and then it becomes an unsecured. You get your 500 bucks back and then you consistently pay that down to zero and ask them to increase it. Once you get that limit up to three, four, five thousand dollars and you have a let's say 18 to 24 months of payment history, that's about what it takes. 18 to 24 months of good payment history on a car loan and a three to $4,000 credit card limit. Those two things are going to give you a credit foundation where number one, you can qualify in the future to get a mortgage as long as you have verifiable income to buy property. And number two, to actually get funding for a business. And we've had a lot of young kids that did just that 
that have gone through our funding process here at Seven Figures Funding and walked away with $25,000, $45,000 and have really built amazing businesses. And fast forward a few years later, they've got dozens of employees and they've created jobs and they've created a product or service that has improved the market. It's improved the community. And that, my friends, is really what life is all about. I was watching another podcast uh, with Tony Robbins on it, and basically the the host was like, Tony, what's, what's the purpose of life, you know? He, Tony just had a, a young child. Um, he and his uh, wife did, even though they're in their 60s. And they're like, what are you going to tell your daughter in the future when she's like, yeah, like, what's life all about? Like, what are we doing here? And he's like, hey, it's about two things. It's about giving and growth. And the growth comes from the giving. And that's what you do when you create a business that's not about you, that's driven by a bigger why, which is usually someone in your family who you want to take better care of that's driving you, whether it's your children, your spouse, proving taking care of your parents someday. We, we had a guy on a pot, one of our podcasts a few weeks ago, Jorge. He wanted to get his mom her first piece of property. And he did that in 18 months. He came from nothing. She came here from Mexico. He learned the credit game. He invested in real estate. He's got some B&B properties now, and he bought his mom a home. And, and that is a great point. So start with why. Build that credit profile. And then I'd say the next step that you have to do is at some point, you have to get a skill set. You have to learn some sort of industry niche or profession. And so that does involve getting a job right? Yeah. You don't always just jump. It's very rare the person who just starts a business at age 18 that eventually 20 years later becomes a billion. Like, it's super rare. Usually you're going to start with a job in an industry and it doesn't have to necessarily be, oh, I have to be passionate about it. No, you don't have to start a business. A lot of businesses are really successful because you see an opportunity. And so someone starts a business, uh, for example, Sam Walton, he started Walmart, but he didn't really start it until he was in his mid-40s. Before that, he had worked for another guy, another partner, and, and started a little 99-cent store back in the day, built it up, built another, built another, learned some more, and then eventually started his own store and eventually started Walmart. And the, the rest is history. Walmart's still the number one company in the world in terms of total revenue. Amazon still has not surpassed it. And that was someone who started out with a job, learned an opportunity. In fact, I think his first job was actually J.C. Penney in Salt Lake City. He was uh, serving in the military during World War II, and for some reason he was put up because uh, there was a military base here uh, around Salt Lake City, probably uh, up there by Ogden. Hill Air Force. Hill Air Force Base. Yeah. And so he's working there, and then he got a job at J.C. Penney, and that was what got his start into understanding all the opportunities with retail sales, and he kind of really enjoyed it. And then he just went from there. But it started. It starts with getting a job in an industry and learning and then looking for how can I provide something better than what the market currently has. I agree 100%. And, and just to reiterate, like we said, you have the why. Go learn the financial system. In that step two, we're not saying take a loan. right? Don't go take that loan out right now. Before not, not you take right. the loan out, you need to develop the skill set, like you said, number three. And then I would say... Number four is once you've got the skill set, you've seen something has to change or you've got this idea, now it's time to generate that proof of concept. That, that would be my Amen. next step there in, in building a business. I was talking to a client about this today, kind of like the Under Armour story. They, they got those samples, took them to Georgia Tech. They loved them, thought that was great. Well, now they've got proof of concept. Now you can go get the money and, and really scale. Um, in our business, sometimes proof of concept may be I'm going to purchase a test batch of leads 
before I put $50,000 into a campaign. Let's put $1,000 in, see if we can convert even 10, 11, 12% of these. And once I've done that, okay, now open the floodgates. But proof of concept needs to happen before you open the floodgates and take out some crazy loan. So true. Start small, guys. Smart entrepreneurs do not take massive, stupid risks. They take small, calculated risks with high returns where, hey, I can invest $500 in this campaign or maybe $1,000 and I'm going to generate two or $3,000 in income from it. And now I've got that proof of concept. I can grow when I can scale. And it's usually because you've gained some experience. And so remember, in your case, for a few years, you were helping in your job serve e-commerce entrepreneurs and you kept running into this issue they were having what was that issue the issue is they'd find fantastic products but the wholesalers had such high minimum order quantities and they didn't have the capital to meet these minimum order quantities so they have to turn away these these great buy opportunities left and right and so i found a massive need that capital they had to have access to capital which what's interesting leo is I've, I've told you this, but maybe you've forgotten. My first job while I was going to BYU, yeah. I sold credit repair. And it was while I was selling credit repair that I learned about the entire credit system. Oh, and wow. so it was selling credit repair on top of having all these clients that need money and then having my wife working at a funding company for you, actually, yeah. all those things come together. And that's kind of the background that created my expertise with Seven Figures Funding. So like, like you said, it's not one single little job or event and all of a sudden you have this fantastic idea. Sometimes it's a handful of different, this opportunity taught me sales, this opportunity taught me credit. And it's, it's those coming together that created the business that we actually work in now. So true. And, and so again, more proof and evidence that you don't just go out and start a business on a whim. You literally are learning through different jobs, different opportunities within a segment, within an opportunity. You're like, oh, wow, there's something here. You learned about credit through the credit repair company. You learned about funding. You learned about e-commerce. And now these businesses, you see this need. And that's typically how it happens. You're working within an, a job and industry, and you see this massive hole that nobody's filling. You're like, why isn't somebody filling it? And that's what entrepreneurship is. You take that mission on, and you are going to solve that problem better than anyone else can do out there. And you go out there and you put together an offer and a product and service that solves that big problem. And then once you get it solved, you start getting that proof of concept. And then again, it's still a step-by-step process, but eventually you can build something that transforms lives. And that is what you're seeing more and more of today's generation uh, looking for. They're looking for, I don't want to just have a job. I don't want to just have a career. I want to do something that matters. And that's what's great about entrepreneurship, truly. If you're in a business that makes a positive impact to the world, and and for us, uh, anytime you're in finance, it's, it's great if you can help somebody get access to money, if you can educate them, because there's still very little education about credit, money, and finance in our school systems today. And so if you can teach someone that, help them to get better interest rates and eventually start their own business, then that is a great place that you can be. And that's, of course, why we love fintechs, why we love business funding, because you can help an entrepreneur who sees that opportunity, has that vision, they don't have a chance until they can access money. And there's nothing better than watching somebody be able to access that money. And, uh, you know, one of, one of our guys here locally, you know, who, who's actually uh, been here and been a funding manager and has built his own empire, 
I mean, I love Tyson's story because Tyson is building an empire at the same time while he has a job, he's learning about finance and credit. Now he's used this and he's leveraged that to turn this into what may end up being a 15, 20, $30 million a year business in, uh, in the appliance space. And he, he's utilized some of these finance concepts. So that is, again, why the finance part of it is so, so very important. And there's so many stories about successful entrepreneurs that started out understanding finance, and then that led to a lot of other things. One of the, maybe the gentleman who's probably the most wealthy in the history of the world was John D. Rockefeller, estimating his uh, net worth back in the day, maybe up to a trillion dollars in today's money. And he started out doing really accountant work at age 15 and 16, understanding credit, understanding money and finances and how to be profitable in your business. And so that's kind of the next step, right? You have that proof of concept, you build a great product offering and service, and you start to help people. And one of the next challenges you run into is being profitable. Yeah. And that's a pretty big one. And so what are some of the you know, concepts or, or steps that you can take to make sure that you're actually being profitable with your business because a lot of times people don't even know. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull up my phone because I don't want to butcher this, but I sent you a tweet last night that Alex yes, Ramosi put out. And I think it's important that we read this because we talk about all these things beforehand, but once you have that proof of concept, it's time to go, right? You, yeah. you can't sit there and twiddle your thumbs and say, I need to know every single little thing about this before I move forward. Once you have that proof of concept, it's time. Alex Ramosi, um, very, very successful. If you're not following him, you should. You should He's follow amazing. him on YouTube, on Twitter. But he says, if you have all the information to make a perfect decision, you miss the opportunity. So again, once you have that proof of concept, it is time to act. And now that it's time to act, the question was some things to make you more profitable, right? Um, sometimes being more profitable means you need to spend a little bit more money. And what I mean by that is getting the right tech, getting the right technology, the right CRMs, 100%. the right phone systems, the automated texting. Yes, maybe it's a little bit more money today, but have the proper tools and forecasting resources so that you can see, yeah, it's a little more money this month and next month, but look at over the next 12 months and look at how the conversion is going to go up. Look how many more people we're going to contact. So I would say one of the biggest things that I see with smaller businesses is they are so consumed in this, oh, I just need a bootstrap, need a bootstrap, need a bootstrap. Well, guess what? If you would spend a little bit more money, you're going to be significantly more profitable. You're going to serve more businesses, more clients. And so becoming more profitable sometimes means spending a little bit more money. It absolutely does. And, and the big example I'll pull out from our own story is back in you know March, April of 2020, right at the beginning of the pandemic, our business is slowing. We've got 15 you know events that you that we were going to almost every single weekend that are canceled. That was where 50, 60 percent of our clients for funding were coming from. Our business is coming to a slow st standstill, and there's a lot of concern. But there was something we knew that we needed, and it was investing in a funding partner portal where our partners could send in clients and have simple tracking and know that their clients being taken care of know when they're going to get access to funding so they can pay for their product service, marketing package, whatever it was that they're offering to their client who's a business owner. And without making that investment, like we we don't exist. We, we're not an eight-figure company. We're, 
We don't have, you know, 30 amazing people here on our team working and serving small business owners. If we hadn't made that investment in that software and that partner portal and whatever your partner portal is in your business, maybe it's a piece of equipment. Maybe it is hiring that salesperson because you're doing all the sales work. Maybe it is understanding marketing better. And instead of you trying to figure out all the marketing and Facebook ads and YouTube ads, you're going to have to spend some money and go through a baptism by fire of, of bringing in a professional. That's all they do is YouTube ads. And they're really good at it. And you're going to have to spend some money and make a time investment and a money investment. And if you don't, it's it's kind of one of those things where through several times in the history of our business, I've looked and I've said, if we don't do this, you know what's going to happen? Nothing. One of those was actually, you know, when we started, we started out building this business education portal, Seven Figures Accelerator. It was doing well. But eventually, I kind of came to this point where... All right, we need to get back to business funding. That's who we are. That's what we're best at. And now with this education, we're going to really create a better uh, experience for every small business owner out there. And you know what happens if we don't? Nothing. Uh, seven months later, we were still working in our homes. And we're like, you know what? If we don't move into an office, you know what's going to happen? Nothing. So we had to move into office. And then whatever it was, a year it was actually just a year later and, and the pandemic hit. And it's like, if we don't make this investment in this funding partner portal, you know what's going to happen? Nothing. We're going to go nowhere. And now we're at the point now where it's like, you know what? If we don't turn everything we do into a fintech app that can help so many more small business owners and get out there into their hands, if we don't make this uh, change, this decision, this investment, you know what's going to happen? Nothing. As a business, you're either growing or you start flatlining and not growing, and it's all over after that. And so if you don't have that urgency, I think you really are going to want to. And again, thank God we're in the American financial system that, you know, whatever it was, whatever you believe, something put forth all of the different uh, atmosphere and opportunities for our government to come together in 1776 and create a system where so many things could happen. And you look at how the world has progressed in technology, and it really is technology. Technology has driven everything and it came from this country and this financial system. So the opportunity is real. Everybody can create their own dream business, their own dream life. And it's because of this American financial system. Absolutely. Amen. And especially, like you were saying, early phase, early days of your business. As a business owner, I think it's so important that you focus your time, energy, and efforts on what you are good at. Right? For us early on, if I was pulled off of the phones to work on setting up an API so that we could get reports from Experian, it's going to take me so much longer than it would a developer or someone that does that all day, every day. And guess what? By having me off the phones, we're losing way more money than we're going to save by having a developer come in and set this up for us. And so for me, we understood that early days of business, I need to spend all of my time on sales. You need to spend all of your time working with partners. So as a business owner, understand what you are good at, focus all of your time on that and put your resources to having other people fill in where you're not the expert. It, it's okay to humble yourself and say, I don't know how to do this. Instead of taking 30 hours, I'm going to hire a developer that can do it in one. And guess what? You just saved 29 hours that you can now work on something else. It's that no, simple. No question. So again, those are kind of the steps to build a business where you leverage the American financial system to create a business that can create your dreams, that creates products and services that make the world a better place. And even still with all the different things happening 
in the economy with government, maybe some irresponsible spending, other things. Still, the majority of the technology that improves our lives is coming from this country. And now you're seeing kind of the next phase of it there. The Internet was born here in the U.S. in the 90s and uh, really has grown social media, good, bad, and the ugly of it, obviously. With internet, with social media, there's there's always good as long as you're focused on the good. If you're fo- focused on following negative people, you're going to get negative stuff in your feed. If you're focused on following people who are making the world a better place, who are entrepreneurs, then they're going to fill your feed up and you're going to have these positive ramifications coming from technology. But at the end of the day, if you can invest in something with technology related to your business, And again, you don't have to know how to do it. You just have to have the idea, and then you have to be able to bring in people who can execute on it for you. That's going to create a really big competitive advantage for you, and that's uh, that's kind of the key. Utilize technology, utilize systems and processes, and you have the opportunity to achieve and build the business that you want to, my friends. So that's that's, uh, where we're at. Uh, One other thing I guess we could talk about to to end is kind of the, uh, the fact of the matter is There's been a lot of things, a lot of news media saying, oh, the U.S. is going to lose its reserve currency status. And for that to happen, and certainly the $31 trillion debt we have as a country is not helping. But at the end of the day, that means somebody would have to replace the U.S. dollar. And who would that be? It's not going to be Europe. It's not going to be Africa. And and so really, China is not even an open government. It's not even an option for them to be the reserve currency in the world. And so as long as we as Americans, as entrepreneurs can help to keep our country, you know, on the path, and maybe at some point, all of us, you know, as we go through and and we see that success journey as an entrepreneur and eventually, you know, create a lot of financial independence, at some point, you know, maybe we all need to serve. Maybe we need to serve uh, in the government and help out. And if you could do it from a place of not needing you know, having your own money where, you know, the government thing isn't for you. Because you see all these people going to Congress and Senate and they, they go in, you know, poor and magically they come out like, you know, 20 years later with a $100 million portfolio. <laughs> like, oh, how the hell the hell did that happen? And so I think more entrepreneurs definitely need to, you know, be involved in the government uh, after you've achieved your, your financial success as an entrepreneur and kind of give back and do it from a place of, I don't need the money. I don't need... The connections. I just want to give back. And if we can do that, then the U.S. dollar will retain its reserve currency status, which is super important because if we ever lose that and someone else takes it, then a lot of this American financial system could be in peril. Yeah, I agree. I, I think even if it's on the small local level, you know, I, I think getting more involved is something entrepreneurs need to do because we fuel this economy. And we need to continue to fuel this economy. And if we're going to continue to fuel this economy, we're the ones in the trenches that, in my opinion, truly know what's best for for businesses. So we need to get out there and, and let our voices be heard. No question. Even if it's getting on the local school board, I mean, heck, that's the education system with our yep. kids. That's a great place to start. I think coaching in your community. Yeah. Like you can make a tremendous difference. I think the opportunities I've had, I know you're going to be a, a great coach in the community here coaching uh, your kids as they grow up, like there's so many values and principles and lessons learned. I was on the, the phone with one of the uh, coaching coordinators uh, for my son's tackle football league, and he was just talking about it, that they were struggling with some of the other grades where values and principles were not taught, accountability was not taught. 
in these programs. And when it is taught, it's so powerful. And so if you can find a way to give back to your community and share these values and principles, it's going to be awesome and, and keep everything moving forward. I agree. All right, guys. Go make it happen. We'll see you next time on the Go Figure Podcast. Thank you for joining us on the Go Figure Podcast. If you learned something that will help your business or family, take 30 seconds and give us a five-star. If we added value to your day, then share the show with someone who wants to get their money right and be sure to subscribe to the Seven Figures Funding YouTube channel. If you're a business owner and a parent committed to getting your money right for your family, then check out the MyFigures.com money app with a free 30-day trial to manage your money, track your net worth, and build a profit-first business through our fintech platform. God bless, and we'll see you next time on the Go Figure Podcast.